it's prioritizing balancing the stressors that you have physically and mentally. So a lot of times when we think stress, we think like, oh, I had a hard day at work. That's a stress. Mm-hmm. That is a stress. But you also have physical stress too. And I tell a lot of my clients, like if you have a stressful job or a stressful day, the last thing you should be doing is going and crushing your body in the gym on top of that too. We yeah. need to use our tools that we have, like our workouts and our nutrition and things to balance what our life needs. And that can be very individual to each person. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're trying to look for these cookie cutter things and fit it into our individual lifestyle. Welcome to Amplify. We are here to help you own your truth, use your voice, and stand out as the most unapologetically aligned, abundant, and authentic version of you so that you can make a big impact in the world doing what sets your soul on fire. Because you and I, we are meant to stand the F out. I'm your host, Lauren Salon, and I'm a public relations and marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, former on-air entertainment host and past professional fitness competitor and health coach. And several times per week, I'll be bringing you epic guest conversations and solo episodes along with the tools, tricks, and tips that you need in order to step into your power, own your purpose, and stand out in the world as the most vibrant version of you. Because I believe that the more you you are in the world, the more successful and fulfilled you will be. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get amplified because blending in is bullshit. What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Amplify. Today I'm chatting with my friend Brooke Rosmanowski, who is a nutritionist and personal trainer with more than 12 years experience in the industry, specifically working with women. She is the creator of the Balanced Body Program, and after losing her dad to cancer and developing hypothyroidism, she personally felt how much stress had made an impact on her well-being and health goals. For a few years, she struggled trying to get pregnant, and she learned that she wasn't even ovulating and needed support in conceiving. After her fertility struggle and then her postpartum anxiety, she realized how unsupported women, especially moms, really are in their bodies. It was clear that moms needed to not just feel good about their weight, but to feel good in their new bodies. Brooke changed her coaching approach to support women in not only achieving their goals sustainably, but to truly transform their relationship with their body so they can not only have the energy they need without caffeine to keep up with mom life, but also feel good in their skin while doing it. Enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to Amplify. We've got my girl, Brooke, here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Excited to chat with you about all the things. But first, let's dive into some rapid fire. You ready for it? Sure. All right. What is something that you're grateful for right now? Uh, My husband's new job. He got a new job. Um, Mm. 
as much as I'm like overwhelmed with our schedule changes, I'm grateful for it. And the kids go back to school, which is like, I'm very grateful. For. I, you know what? Like, I feel like I'm talking to so many moms lately who are like, thank God going back to school. I, you know what? I never understood it. And now that they're at school age, I'm like, oh my God, now I know why all these women are losing their minds two weeks before school starts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is one of your guilty pleasures, whether or not you feel guilty about it? Watching The Real Housewives. I don't know oh. why. I go That's in and out of it. One. Beverly Hills is like my main one though. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I would say that's a common, common one. Um, what, what is a random fact that people don't know about you or most people? I have a brother who's 11 years older than me. Um, we, there's nobody in between us, same parents. I was the oopsie child. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. I have a half brother who is 10 years older than me. So I like, that's different different, but like for me, like I have a half sister, older half sister as well. It feels, feels the same, but, um, but yeah, when I'm like, oh yeah, I have a super older brother and a super older sister. People are like, what? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. if you weren't doing what you do now, which obviously like you're doing your dream job and what you're meant to be doing, what, but if you couldn't do that, what kind of job or career would you have? I actually was a hairstylist before I got into the personal training realm. Um, so before I stopped hairstyling, I was studying and about to start um, going through a program to be a Redken artist. So oh. I would be probably on stages doing some hair. And um, that was like, I was set and doing it. And yeah. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any weird talents or special skills? Not, it can't be about hair. Cause that would have been a random <laughs> special skill, but we were, we just I feel like, one. I feel like I do, but then every time I get asked this question, I'm like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't uh, all right. Well, if it comes to you during the conversation, you just let us know. What did you want to be when you were little? Was it, was it hair? Was that what you like when you're little, little, maybe not I've always known I wanted to be like on a stage at some level. Mm. I was a dancer growing up. So then I was like on a stage when it was doing hair. It was, I wanted to be on a stage doing that. Now that like I'm in what I do, I want to be speaking and doing events and things. So I've always known I wanted to be on some sort of a level with that. Okay. I love that. I love that. And then when is the last time that you cried? Uh, three days ago. <laughs> I know, I know we were talking yesterday. You said that you, you're crying yeah. more. <laughs> I, I'm very much like, I mean, you know, being like an Enneagram eight, I'm very much in the like masculine side of myself more mm-hmm. often naturally just the like, okay, let's dig in and do I'm learning to tap into how I feel more often and just like honor it and be with it. And it's really weird because I'll like, just start like I'll watch something I watched the Luke Bryan documentary and his oh mom gosh. started talking about how proud she was of him and I just started crying my husband was like what is wrong <laughs> I once um what that's pretty funny I once cried at what movie was it it was so stupid with my ex 
Um, it was like the spy next door is a Jackie Chan movie. There was like some touching moment and I fucking cried at it. And I was like, Oh gosh, Oh gosh, what is happening to me? Um, all right. Next up. When, what's the last time that you laughed so hard that you almost peed your pants? Oh God. Um, I laughed at our daughter. So our daughter, she's three and a half. <laughs> she's obsessed with her vagina and boobs lately. Okay. And- yeah. So she like, she gets my bras out and puts them on <laughs> and I just die laughing at her. Oh with- my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That obviously like every, we all know I don't have kids like hopefully one day, but like that, when, when they're starting to like learn about their body and like little kids have no shame about it. Right. And they're oh. like, yeah, like, you know, just like, Oh, Hey, they have a penis. They don't have a penis. Like what blah, 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 right? It's so freaking funny. So funny. Um, we were in public a couple of weeks ago. And so she has a little brother. So she's learned, you know, boys have penises, girls have vaginas is what, you know, she's at. And um, we're in public and she sees someone and she was like, mommy, does he have a penis? And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> My husband and I get in the car and we're like trying not to laugh because I'm trying not to encourage it. But inside I'm like dying. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There we are. (laughs) Um, what is your favorite meal? So I've grown up with a Southern family and, um, all my family's from Alabama. We have a recipe called cocoa and biscuits. You ever heard of it? No. No. So it's like biscuits and gravy, but it's chocolate gravy. Um, totally not healthy. And we eat it like once a year around Thanksgiving time, but it is so good. It's like salty sweet. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, that does sound quite, quite good. Yeah. Um, what is, where's the next place that you want to travel to? We're going to Florida, um, in a couple months, but I am ready to get out of the country again. I want to go to Tulum really bad. Um, but not with the kids. So this will be, <laughs> be a by myself trip. <laughs> yeah. Like, but not with babies. Yeah. <laughs> you guys get to stay here. Yeah. Um, I love all of that. Okay. We'll get into like the juicier stuff now. I would love for you to share kind of your, your brief story, how you got into supporting women and supporting moms with really reclaiming their health, you know, like bringing back their vitality, helping them figure out their hormones and all this kind of stuff. How much time do we have? I know, right? Like- <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so long story with, you know, shortened, I was overweight as a kid and I really struggled and, and kind of like had to figure out how to lose that on my own. I grew up in a household with a mom who had a poor relationship with food, um, like a lot of us, you know, especially our generation have and watching her diet, watching her talk poorly about her body and always just seeing that negative impact and and discussion Mm. about herself. And I was overweight and I lost the weight on my own in around sixth grade. I started to see that I was getting more interested in nutrition around then, just more so reading about like the impacts of my body. Um, but was very passionate about doing hair, went into school to do hair. And I started to realize I was not very passionate about the industry. I was starting to leave to go work out more often. I loved it. I eventually left, went back to school to be a personal trainer and started in the industry. And when you're in your young twenties, a lot of that industry, especially at that age is 
aesthetics. It's how you look mm-hmm. at a bikini and how, you know, how your clothes are fitting and things, which is fine. But I never really realized this other side to it until probably about seven years into my career, my dad got sick quickly um, Mm -hmm. and passed away from cancer. It was about six weeks from the time that he had his first symptom of something to when we lost him. Um, So it was pretty aggressive and I, I didn't have time to like see what was happening or like what was going on. But my dad had Crohn's disease and I never fully understood what an autoimmunity was until I started to see like the impact of an autoimmunity on your body when you develop cancers and all these different things and how it hit him. So I really started to look into our family history and how I was reacting to a lot of those things and how that was impacting my body. Um, and I started to dive into the wellness side and I realized there was this whole other side of health that we weren't really being educated on. Um, especially after half of my career, I didn't know anything about these things. And, um, I really started to do a lot of research on my own partnered with physicians. I was lucky enough with the company that I was with that, um, we had a lot of, um, really smart dietitians and physicians on staff that I could go to. And, um, through that, time. I met my husband. We decided we wanted to get pregnant and I wasn't ovulating. We had been trying for about six months and I had no idea why we weren't getting pregnant. I thought it was just going to happen easy. We were healthy. There was no issues. Um, until I finally went to our physician and found out that I hadn't been ovulating the whole time. My progesterone was too low. That wasn't triggering ovulation or I'm sorry that I wasn't ovulating to get progesterone. And, um, I ended up having to get a shot to get pregnant with our daughter. So that led me down. I'm very much a like, why does this happen person? So it led me down a researcher path of, okay, why is this happening to me? We got pregnant and, um, found out I was having a girl, which backtracked to my, you know, story, listening to my mom grow up. It really led me to like, oh my gosh, I don't want this to be her experience with nutrition and her body growing up. So that really led me to how we talk about food, our relationship with food, why we're dieting and all of those things, along with realizing how much my hormones were impacting how I was feeling day to day and what was going on in my body. And um, after I had her, I was struggling with postpartum anxiety and it further kind of elaborated to me of like how much my hormones were playing a role and how I was feeling day to day. So I worked with a couple integrative physicians to heal my body, heal myself, finally start feeling better from my standpoint. And as I was going through this, I was hearing a lot of my clients tell me how they were feeling day to day. And it was so similar to the things that I had gone through and they weren't getting answers. They were frustrated. They were feeling stuck in their bodies Um, and I was like, well, God, I, I have an answer to this. Like I have been through this. I know what you're feeling right now. Um, or I have physicians who know how to support you through this. So, um, I really started to gear a lot of the coaching that I was doing towards moms because I was seeing not only the impact on how they were feeling in their skin, but how it was impacting how they were showing up day to day with their kids, their relationships with their spouses, them wanting to do things or not do things based on how they were feeling. And, I was just ultimately noticing that all these women were feeling tapped out and exhausted and there was something we could do about it, but it wasn't really getting done. A lot of the times we were just looking for, all right, I've had a baby. It's time to lose weight. I'm going to go join this gym and do this program that does not fit into your lifestyle as a mom and ends up feeling like you have the second job to take on more than anything. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so did you, once you kind of, and, and so you really advocated for yourself so much in your journey with being like wanting to figure out like, what's the root cause and all this kind of stuff. Like how, how was that journey for you and that experience? Because it's a weird thing of being like, cause, cause I've, I've had that with like sports injuries and stuff where, you know, you've got a certain thing going on. And, and I had one doctor with an old shoulder injury be like, well, here's a prescription for 600 milligram tablets of ibuprofen. Cause this injury is so old. You're never going to be able to, to change it. So just manage the pain. And I was like, and this is the last time we will ever see each other because I know that like one, I'm not a doctor, but I know that you're being fucking lazy right now. And that's not yeah. accurate. And he yeah. was wrong. Like, <laughs> like I've healed it, you know? And, and so, so yeah, so it's so important to advocate for yourself. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, about that, yeah. especially with what's going on in the world of being like blindly trust whatever's on the TV when it's like, should we? <laughs> the, the thing I really learned through a lot of it is if something doesn't feel right to you, it's probably not. And you need to listen to your body as a woman and you're not crazy, right? You're not mm. crazy for thinking like something's off. I feel like I'm fighting my body because it probably is. We have intuition as a woman for a reason. And I, in the beginning, you know, around the time that I lost my dad, I had also gone through a breakup with yeah. a really shitty ex-boyfriend who was cheating on me and just very emotionally manipulative. And that was a trauma that I didn't realize that I was going through when I was there. So I had gone through that trauma. And then a year later, my dad passed away. Mm. So I had significant stress in a short period of time um, that I didn't even realize that I needed to be recovering from. And because of that, um, and during that time, I was pushing my body with CrossFit style workouts and, um, you know, eating paleo-ish and my body went haywire. My hormones went off and I could tell something was wrong because I'd been in the industry at this time. So I knew not to eat like an asshole, right? Like I knew to like control what I was eating, but within a period of three months, I had gained like 20 pounds and I couldn't tell what was going on. My body just felt inflamed. And I started going to physicians and I knew enough to know that maybe my thyroid was off and something was wrong. And, um, they would just test like my TSH or my T4 and they're like, you're fine. But then I started researching more and I was like, okay, but you're not doing full thyroid panel. And I started asking some of the physicians that our company partnered with, and they, were, they gave me a list of everything I needed tested. And they're like, they're not actually testing your full thyroid. They're like, you need a full panel. That's not it. And I knew enough to just listen that I knew something was wrong. So I went to another physician. They didn't test at all. So I went to another physician and I finally went an integrative route where I had to pay out of pocket um, because I was starting to learn that into the conventional medicine side, not always at the doctor's fault, but conventional medicine research is about 17 years behind what traditional um, research is showing us now. So I was starting to learn that there was this big discrepancy in the medical industry and um, the knowledge that was out there and who was doing what. So I took an integrative route because I knew something was off in my body. I could feel that things were getting impacted and I decided to search for a position who was gonna take a whole body approach and look at what could be going on. Um, ended up finding out that I had hypothyroid. It wasn't converting a part of my thyroid because of the significant stresses and things that I had been under. And because of that, it had thrown off my sex hormones. It had thrown off my gut health, which is why when my husband and I decided to try getting pregnant, 
I wasn't even ovulating. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. And, and so important to like, if something feels off, keep asking questions, keep getting additional opinions and start like researching and stuff. And uh, yeah, because you were able to, you know, have two healthy babies. Right. And so, so once you kind of figured out what was quote unquote wrong, was it relatively easy to get pregnant or you guys still had, it took a Um, lot of work. Once we figured out what was wrong, it was a good year and a half of working on healing my body. It was a good year and a half of regulating out my thyroid. I do take thyroid medication now. Um, and working with my hormones really for me, it was learning how to balance the stress in my body and how, what I was doing and crushing my body with workouts was not necessary. Um, I actually scaled back and worked out less. Um, I actually ate more and, um, it did get easier. The first time that I got a trigger shot is what I ended up using to get pregnant. We got pregnant the first time. So it did help. Um, and I was able to carry a healthy pregnancy through that time. Um, so it did take a lot of work though, on the front end before, um, we went through all of that. And during the time that we were trying to, to truly be able to get pregnant. Mm, Yeah. Amazing. And, and so for you, and, and obviously that inspired you to do the kind of work that you're doing with helping women avoid this because it's so many of these things are, are preventable, you know? And so with, with the work that you do with women, what, what are you like, what are the biggest frustrations or stresses, concerns that women come to you with and are looking for help with? One of the biggest things that I see that women want is they'll come to me saying like, I just need a plan. I just need this. Or can you just write out a workout plan for me? And I'm like, well, hold on a second. Let's back up. You're not sleeping at night. Um, You're not really prioritizing foundational things with meals, eating like, you know, quality proteins, healthy fats and fibers. We've been dieting for the last how many years? We've had that stressor on our body and you have, you're so mentally stressed out and you have all these different things during the day. If I give you this plan, but then life sets in, you're not following the plan. So we don't need a plan. We can focus on a plan, but we got to focus on what's going on in your life and balance that to make sure that the plan can be appropriate for you. So ultimately what I learned and what I've learned with a lot of clients is it's prioritizing balancing the stressors that you have physically and mentally. Because a lot of times when we think stress, we think like, oh, I had a hard day at work. That's a stress. Mm-hmm. That is a stress, but you also have physical stress too. And I tell a lot of my clients, like if you have a stressful job or a stressful day, the last thing you should be doing is going and crushing your body in the gym on top of that too. We need to use our tools that we have, like our workouts and our nutrition and things to balance what our life needs. And that can be very individual to each person. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're trying to look for these cookie cutter things and fit it into our individual lifestyle. We need to take an individual plan to fit into our individual life. Yeah. And when you're dealing with thyroid stuff, like it's such a, it can be such a sensitive thing because it can feel like, yeah, oh, well, I'm going to go blow off steam. So like an intense workout, that's going to feel so good. But like, cause, cause you know, everyone, or maybe not everybody knows, but like, I used to be a trainer as well. And it actually wasn't good for, it's not good for clients with thyroid issues to like push them insanely hard a lot of the time. Right. Like, cause, cause that's just gonna keep that cortisol, like stress response 
going. Um, so, so yeah, it's very, it's such specialized coaching really. I have so many women that are running on fumes and then they want to figure out when they're going to find the time to go work out. I'm like, no, we got to step back. We got to look at your day. A lot of it, especially with moms is we got to set some boundaries into where your energy is going in the day and what we're spending time on. Because as a mom, especially this mom guilt thing kicks in Mm. and we feel like we have to be all things for all people and you don't. And us trying to do that is pulling away from us being able to get our needs met. So it's really a shifting of our priorities that we need to do. Um, and a refocus and an understanding that like when we are taken care of and our needs are met, then we can show up as the person we need to be. But when we're overextending ourselves because we feel guilt for not doing this thing for this person or that for this, um, we're not able to take care of our needs. So, the last thing that we need to be getting at that time is the perfect plan for us. We need to prioritize where our energy is going and find a plan that's going to work within where those priorities need to be. Yeah. So I, like, I can imagine a lot of moms probably, I don't know if in this audience and stuff, but a lot of moms here and like, Oh, you need to like, yeah, make time for you and do things that like to fill your own cup. Right. Like a lot of moms are probably like, yeah, sounds great. Cool. Like <laughs> When I've got the time, I'll do it. You know? Um, what are some easy ways that moms can do that? Like to start chipping, like can just start taking those steps to prioritize, put themselves first, like in little ways, you know, prioritize their stress management, all that kind of stuff. The first thing I think of is the mental load that you take on as a mom. And I never fully understood it until I became a mom. And I was like, Oh, get it. You got like, you always have something going in your head. And So the one thing that I say is like, stop trying to find time, right? Like we're not creating time anywhere. You have the same amount of time as you did before. But if what we can do is reprioritize where that time is going. So instead, I, it's funny. I was talking to somebody earlier. I was like, I have a mom that will tell me that she doesn't have the time for something, but then she can also tell me her favorite TV shows that are on TV right now. And I'm like, so we have the time (laughs) maybe instead of spending it on mindless activity one thing that we can do is take that time to be mindful and instead of watching two hours of tv at night and staying up later where we're going to wake up the next morning exhausted a simple thing that we can do is after the kids go to bed set yourself some boundaries on what your time in the evening looks like because that's usually when we're getting the most free time to ourselves take an hour to do whatever you want, right? Watch a TV show, whatever sounds good to you, but then take an hour before you're going to sleep and turn the TV off, turn the electronics off, take some time to be, be mindful. And that can be taking it up some salt bath. It could be doing some breath work. It could be doing a meditation. It could be doing a slow yoga flow where you're literally just focused on breathing through it. Um, It could be just taking a shower and washing your face and reading a book. Right. But really it's more so take some time where you have that mental decompression because we go from having so much overload during the day as a mom, especially if you have young kids from all these different things that you have going on and the noise and the distraction to putting the kids to bed to then all the stimulus from the TV and our phones and the scrolling, just take a minute away from that. And it makes a massive difference in how you feel in your body and your sensory overload, it can turn off your stress response and help your body to just decompress a little bit. Because if that at night can help you get quality sleep, you can wake up and feel totally different the next day. Yes. Yes. All of that. And it, and it's, 
it's easy, like easier. It can be sound easier said than done, but it really isn't that hard. Like finding like five minutes somewhere, you know, and the more you carve out those little pockets of time for yourself, the easier it is to take more of that time. And it, and it sounds, you know, I, I, again, I'm not a mom, but I'm sure for a lot of moms, it's like, oh, well, yeah, sure. Like sounds nice sort of thing, but how, yeah, like as I, as cliche as it might be like filling your own cup first is so important. It's, you know, we try to think of like, okay, where am I going to squeeze in my workout? Where am I going to do this? What am I going to do? Right. Like talking about like, what am I, how can I do more versus we need to look at it sometimes as how can I take less on myself? Mm. How can I do less? How can I be less stimulated, less overloaded? And then once you have that, then we can start adding those other things in. But we all have that hour before we go to bed at night for the most part, right? Unless, you know, life hits the fan. But or for even the most part, 15 minutes, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, yeah. We're not talking about you sitting and meditating for an hour, right? We're talking about you taking a few minutes of some mindful time and start small. If you start with five minutes, great. The next week, go to 10 and just slowly build with little things. You're going to feel so different. And sleep, we all know, is probably the number one area that we can make the biggest impact on our body. So if we start there, you're going to make a difference in how the next day feels for you too. Absolutely. And sleep is is really important for your hormone health too, right? Yeah. So what are, what are some of the most, um, the easiest things that, or actually if there's like hormone imbalances, like how would somebody know that maybe they have a hormone imbalance and they should get things checked? Like what are some of the go-to signs? And obviously there are so many different ways that your hormones can be off, right. And which hormones, right. But what are some of the like clear signs that there's some sort of hormonal imbalance going on? That's a good question. So a lot of times with hormones, we go right to sex hormones, right? We think, but you, we also have other hormonal processes that go on our body. So we want to find out where, and some of the biggest signs that you're going to have are going to be anxieties, depressions. Those are huge um, and contributed directly to your hormonal health. Um, inability to lose weight. You feel like you've done everything. It's kind of where I was. Like you felt like you're fighting your body and all of a sudden, like you just have this weight loss resistance that you can't figure it out. Your face might break out. Um, skin conditions can actually be a side effect of hormonal imbalances, eczemas, rosaceous, things like that. Um, where we carry weight can be one too. So if you feel like you're only carrying it like certain spots, like your belly or the backs of your arms or your thighs, um, some of that is genetic, but some of it where you feel like all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I've never really carried weight here. All of a sudden I am, that can be more of a hormonal imbalance. PMS, especially with women, like it's not, you know, you might, like I'll tell women, I'm like, you're, you're bleeding, right? Like you're shedding your uterine lining. You should feel that something's happening down there, but you shouldn't have PMS that it's interrupting your day-to-day function. And you feel like you need to take a pain medication to help you get through it, that you're curled up in a ball in your bed because you're so fatigued and tired, um, that your moods are dramatically changing that, you know, you're not feeling like yourself around that time of the month. That should not be what you're experiencing. It's common, but it's not normal. Um, and ovulation. So if you are trying to, you know, get pregnant and you're realizing that you're not ovulating, that's a good sign that you have a hormonal imbalance going on too. Cause ovulation is literally the time that we're producing progesterone. That's how your body makes it. So if you're not ovulating, another one is your poop. If you don't oh. poop, 
regularly, I can almost guarantee you that there's a hormonal dysfunction going on. I have never heard that about your poop being related to your hormones, which of course makes sense, right? Because your hormones are going to impact like everything. I I did not know that. Pooping is how we regulate our sex hormones as women. Um, So if you don't poop regularly, and by regularly, I mean two to four times a day. That's how often you should poop. Four. Two to four. Now- Guys are usually close to that four. Yeah. <laughs> um, <think> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> two to four. A lot of women will be like, well, I poop once, maybe every other day. I'm like, if that's you, then we need to have your sex hormones checked. And, but it's probably stemming from your gut health. So we need to look at your gut health too. Wow. Um, yeah. You should be pooping very regularly. Yes. Agreed. Pooping is our friend. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a mom, you're used to talking about poop, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about penises, vaginas, poop on this call, all the things, <laughs> ovaries, <laughs> everything. Are you an entrepreneur looking to elevate your authority? Do you want to be known as the go-to expert in your industry, even more than you already are? To reach celebrity status and get your message out to even more people around the world? Have you been considering public relations, but you just haven't found the right agency to work with? Or maybe you haven't seen the results that you were hoping for? I get it. Working with a PR agency can be expensive and sometimes you don't get the results. At Influence and Impact, we've worked with some of the biggest heart-centered entrepreneurs in the game, helping them to land major media coverage, top podcast interviews, speaking gigs, and collaborate with influencers who are excited to share their message with their audience. We would love to support you in getting your message out into the world in an even bigger way so that you can make an even bigger impact. You deserve it and the world needs more of you. To learn more about Influence and Impact's PR and Influencer Marketing Services, please visit laurensalon.com. So what what are some natural ways that women can better support their hormones? So yeah. We'll love to hear that. Cause I've, I've something that I like, I was on birth control pill for years and years and years, mainly to help manage my period. Cause I had really painful periods when I was younger and then went off of it when right before I got married and ended up getting crazy cystic acne and had never had an issue with my skin in my entire life. Crazy cystic acne really fast, spent like a year figuring out how to solve my skincare issues and stuff and ended up going on an androgen blocker, which helped my skin so fast and was amazing. But I was on that for a few years and then got a new doctor last year, um, decided to like, you know, wanted to get a new doctor just in general and, um, did like all the checks. Like once I, you know, went through my divorce and I'm like, Oh, Lauren 2.0 is out in the world. Let's make sure (laughs) everything's working right. You know? and, and did some hormone work. And she had me go off of the medication I was on for my skin. Cause she's like, this tells me there's still, if you need this for your skin to be manageable, then there's a hormonal issue and let's test your hormones and figure it out. And we've been able to, with supplements, no prescriptions or anything like that, nothing hormonal been able to like have my skin be totally fine. And and figure it all out naturally, which I'm really grateful for. So, so yeah, back to like, what are some things that women can do, whether it's like, um, supplements is tricky because it's like a, not a one size fits all thing, but even right. just like foods or 
whatever to have better hormonal health? There's different phases, right? So phase one, I always say, let's look at your foundational habits and foundational things that we can do. So simple things. If we're choosing veggies, try to prioritize cruciferous sourced vegetables. Cruciferous veggies, when you chew them through your digestion process, you're going to release something called DIM or methane. Um, you'll also see it in like indole three carbonyl. Um, what this does, this is actually helps to regulate your sex hormones or your estrogen specifically. Um, mm. so broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, kale, um, bok choy, mustard greens, um, Brussels sprouts. Those are all cruciferous vegetables. So generally I'll tell a client, like when you're choosing your veggies, try to choose two to three out of the cruciferous veggie family, um, and add that into your meals and try to have it at least once a day, simple thing you can do. And then through that digestion process, it can help. The other things that you want to do is support your blood sugar balance, which is going to support your sex hormones. So, um, Protein and fat are the number one ways that we can support your blood sugar balance. Protein being number one, fat being number two. Mm. So make sure you have adequate fat and or adequate protein intake at each of your meals. Adequate in general, depending on how active you are or how much you're working out, is around 0.8 grams per pound of, I generally say like ideal body weight if you have a weight loss goal um, or current body weight if you're kind of where you want to be. So generally that can kind of vary, right? Yeah. Take, a, take inventory of what you're taking in and kind of like scale as you need to. Um, that's another area to start. And then fat intake. If you grew up in the snack wells generation, like I have, where like everything was low fat, we can kind of still have this like fear of fat in our mind, but adequate fat intake is really critical for your sex hormone function. You need cholesterol, which is like that starting point, which goes to pregnenolone, which distributes out to the rest of your sex hormones. You need cholesterol to help support your sex hormone function. So a lot of times when women are extremely low fat, we see that their sex hormones are low. So we need to have an adequate amount. So prioritizing a good quality protein, a good quality fat, and some of those cruciferous vegetables, along with some fiber, fibrous carbohydrate sources like berries, like beans, like lentils, sweet potatoes, oatmeals, things like that. Um, three meals a day is a really good place to begin. The fiber is going to help, like we talked about poop, right? It's going to help keep you regular and keep those things. Oh, oh my gosh, I giggled when you said poop. How old am I? <laughs> your protein is going to help regulate your um, blood sugar. Your fat's going to help support your sex hormones and regulating your blood sugar. Um, and those cruciferous veggies can help your sex hormones too. Nutritionally, that's a good area to begin. Water intake is going to be critical to, along with the fiber, to support those things going. Um, so at least half of your body weight in ounces is a good place to start up to probably about 75% of your body weight in ounces, um, depending on, again, how active you are. Um, so nutritionally, those are great places. The number one way lifestyle wise is getting you quality sleep is seven to nine hours is kind of the general number, but the best way you can tell if you're getting quality sleep is one, you shouldn't be waking up to pee in the middle of the night. You should be falling asleep relatively easy. Um, and then when you wake up in the morning, you should be feeling rested, maybe before your alarm, feeling ready to go for the day. And your cortisol is ultimately what's waking you up in the morning. So you should be feeling energized in the morning a little bit. Um, so that's one of the number one ways lifestyle wise. Waking up to pee. That one is... Yeah. Cause I guess if you're sleeping really soundly, you're not going to wake up 
right? I'll have a lot of people would be like, yeah, I sleep great. I wake up maybe once or twice to go pee. And I'm like, no, you're not sleeping great then. (laughs) Yeah. I used to, and I don't really notice it anymore, but I also don't really set an alarm in the morning a lot of the time anymore, but I used to wake up like clockwork at like five, between four and 6am to go pee. And I wouldn't usually set my alarm until like six 30 or seven. So I'd always go back to sleep for a couple hours or an hour or something. And I would always like kick myself because if the alarm went off at like six 30 and then I like tried to sleep for another hour and stuff like that, like I'd get up at seven 30 or whenever the alarm goes off and feel groggy when I'm like, well, when I woke up to go to the bathroom, I was totally awake and I should just freaking stayed up. So there was yeah. a, a phase where I was like, you know what? Maybe that's my body telling me that I'm that maybe that's my internal alarm clock and my body telling me it's ready to be awake. And I'm just going to use the P alarm instead of a regular alarm. And so I just started <laughs> getting up with it, but sometimes like 4am, 4 30, that's a little early, but when it's like, you know, 5 30, 6, 6 30, sometimes I'm like, all right, we can just, we'll just stay up. But now yeah. that I think of it, like, and I've, I've gotten so much better with my sleep over the past three years. I used to be one of those like five or six hours of sleep a night and I can still be a rock star kind of person. And now I'm like eight, thank you. Like seven yeah. minimum, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, well, and, and I don't notice all. it as much. I don't think. Well, you can also, if you have a regular cycle, meaning you're bleeding, you know, within your normal time frame, um, as a female too, you can have certain times of the month where you need more sleep and certain times of the month where yeah. you feel okay with less. So that's also very common to happen. Um, when you're in like your follicular stage, after you've had your period up until you ovulate, you can sometimes get away with less and feel better that way. You usually feel more energized during that stage of your cycle. When you're in your luteal stage, after you've ovulated, coming up to when your period is going to start, sometimes our body needs more rest and you need to honor that and allow it. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just that stage because your progesterone, especially after ovulation is higher, which is kind of a natural sedative. So you might feel a little bit more sleepy or ready to sleep longer. That's very, very normal around that time. Interesting. Yeah. Good. Good to know. Um, so I'd love to know, cause I've, I've dealt with some death in my family this past year. Like what were some of the things that, and, and obviously very different situations, but what were some of the things that helped you with your grief when your dad passed? It's, it's so hard. Cause it's so different for everyone, right? Like yeah. you just, you don't know what you don't know about it until you experience it. Um, and I remember at, my dad was like, my best friend. Like he was my person. I went to him for everything. I still talk to him all the time. Like I just, I had, I was very, very lucky to grow up with such an awesome father. And Mm. he just, he was a really, really good role model in my life. And I looked to him for so many things. And when my dad was dying, when he was in the hospital, Um, my dad was a very private person. He didn't share a lot of things about himself. Um, he didn't share his emotions very much. And when there was a time where he went into AFib and he had to come back down to the ICU and when he was coming down, he started crying and it was not like, this is maybe the third time in my life I'd ever seen my dad cry. Um, and I was kind of lost in my faith around that time. Like I believed that there was a God, but I didn't really know how I felt about it. 
Um, my dad started crying and he said that God came down and kissed him on the forehead. And he said that he saw his grandpa and my dad really looked up to his grandpa and his grandpa was in heaven. And, um, I kind of had a peace at that time. Like I kind of knew like, okay, he's okay. Like he's going to be fine, you know, no matter what happens. Um, so I kind of had a peace with that, but it's not easy to not have him part of your life. I think I really had to learn that like, I selfishly wanted him here with me. I, I hadn't, gotten married yet. I hadn't met my husband yet. I needed him there to walk me down the aisle, you know, like all those kinds of things. I, I still wanted my dad there for those things. So I really had a hard time with that. I had a lot, hard time with the things that I wanted my dad to be a part of and to grow with my life with. Um, and I really had to kind of come to a place where I learned like, okay, he's still here. He's still a part of these things. Like he's just not physically here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the things that truthfully helped me the most was I had known my husband, but I kind of re-met him a couple of weeks after my dad died. And my husband had lost his mom when he was like 12. So he was the first person that I had in my life after my dad passed away who truly knew what I was going through. And he knew that there was nothing he could really say or anything. He just, he, we did long distance. So we talked every day. And honestly, a majority of us talking in the first couple of months was me crying about mm. like, something that I saw that reminded me of my dad or anything along those lines. So having him there helped me a ton, but it truthfully helped me a lot to just let myself feel the feelings when they came. You know, if I heard a song that reminded me of him, I would just start crying. Or if I saw something, just kind of like let myself go through the process and realize that it was okay to not be okay. Um, and not feel like I had a lot of people when my dad had passed away telling me like, Oh, you need to be strong for your mom or this or that. And it really bothered me to hear that because I was like, you know, I lost someone too. Like why, who's going to be strong for me though? Like I, I went through this too. Um, so I really kind of had to like dig into like, okay, it's, it's okay for like you to go through this. You don't have to be strong for anybody else. Like you just need to do this for yourself and focus mm-hmm. on your healing and grieving during this time too. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like our, our loved ones who are no longer here, right. I very much believe that we can talk to them and that they're like still plugged in, you know, they're just not, not here in their bodies with us. So, so yeah, so that was really beautiful. Thank you. Um, I mean, I say that like, I don't have, right. Like there's songs or certain things there's, Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You still, I heard someone say like, grief is not something you move on from. It's something you move forward with. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's a part of you. It changes you. It's something that's in your life, but you can move forward and still have joy in your life and still, yeah. you know, experience a lot of awesome things too. Yeah. I love that. So with that, cause you, you said like, you know, part of the process was, allowing the feelings to come up, right. And feeling them and, and all of that. And we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week and, um, you mentioned it with the crying, a few days, like crying more. And so it's, it sounds like, uh, you know, you are allowing yourself to tap into so many more emotions and feelings it just in general these days too. And really like leaning into your feminine more, I would love for you to speak a little bit more into that and how that's felt for you to kind of like surrender a little bit more and to like allow more of these feelings to come up and emotions and crying at random 
Luke Bryan <laughs> documentaries? <laughs> um, I don't know like when the shift started to happen, but I, so one of the things that I've started doing is like journaling at night. And just, if I have something in my mind, I was a very anxious person and my dad was always an anxious person. So I just kind of always chalked it up to like, Oh, I'm just anxious. Cause my dad was type of a thing. But I started to dig into like, okay, why are you so anxious about stuff? Like, why is this overwhelming you? And especially after having kids, I was starting to notice that my responses, especially having a toddler, toddlers can be very triggering. And I was starting to notice that I was getting triggered more often than I should be. And I was like, I clearly have some deeper work to be doing and digging into a little bit. So one of the things that I started doing was at night, just journaling, whatever was on my head, I would just start free writing and give myself like three minutes to just take it off. And something about that process was really freeing to like, just start to kind of recognize, okay, you're feeling this way because of like X, Y, and Z. And to really start to be able to associate, like, it's okay to feel this way. And you're feeling this way because of these things that are going on, but also if you're feeling fear or overwhelm or anything like that, it doesn't mean that like it's bad, right? I really had to learn that like the anxiety wasn't meaning a bad thing. It was just me. It was me learning an unhealed part of myself. I needed to dig into a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I think that helped a ton. And that's the biggest thing I can kind of pinpoint that I started doing that made a massive difference. A lot of it was also surrounding myself with people who, had a little bit more of a growth mindset who were in that, like working with you, working with other coaches who were in that atmosphere, who I could see them stepping out of their shell and forcing myself to do things out of my shell. I did a hip hop class, which is like totally out of my comfort zone. <laughs> and like So small things that like that, that made me so uncomfortable when I went into the hip hop class, the first thing that the instructor did was he was like, all right, we're going to freestyle. I was like, no, we're not. Yeah. I literally looked at my friend. I was like, I don't know if I want to like go crawl in a corner and cry or if I'm like pissed right now, like legitimately mad. Um, but I did it and I realized I didn't die. Right. And like, and it was fine. So pushing myself out of my comfort zone, journaling, and just like learning to like tune into like how I was actually feeling. I feel like helped so much to recognize when I could feel something coming up and lean into it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so, yeah, because I, th I think you and I are, well, we're both like Enneagram eights and stuff. And I used to definitely be like such a control freak and like never want to cry and everything like that. And I've found so much power in letting go of that control and not feeling like I have it, have to have it all together and all that kind of stuff. So like, how is it? Cause, cause I feel like you're kind of, you're like stepping into this a lot more for yourself. Like, how is it feeling? Like, is it scary? Does it feel wrong? Does it like it's so scary. It's like, um, it doesn't feel wrong, but it's so scary. Um, one of my coaches always says she's like new level, new devil. It's yep. okay. I'm like, yep. Um, so that's kind of how it feels. We, so we just, um, signed a purchase agreement to build a house, which is like more money than I've ever put on anything in my life. And the week before I was having massive anxiety and that's when I really started to notice that like what I was doing was working because I was able to sit down and like recognize how I was feeling instead of like reacting to my husband, I was able to say like, okay, 
I'm really feeling overwhelmed because of X, Y, and Z. I'm actually mm. scared of this. And I was like, mm. I am not going to run from it because I'm scared. But I was like, these feelings are making me feel like I'm scared. Um, and I really had to just like embrace feeling a little bit scared and a little uncomfortable with it and kind of learning that feeling past that is this level of like almost freedom a little bit, yeah. like, actually kind of freeing and you feel more like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. love to hear that. Um, what, so speaking of like feeling more like yourself, like something that you do in your work and coaching women, working with women and especially moms, like is helping them reconnect to themselves, right? Like, and, and reconnect to their identity as, as a woman, right. But also as a new mom, but not having like the momness be the entire identity. So what are some ways that moms, especially new moms can, can embrace their new identity, but also not lose like who they are, like all that kind of stuff. I often will tell moms, like, we all have that one thing that we're always like, gosh, I wish I could do that. Or I would love to do that someday, something like that. So one of the things I always say is like, I want you to go do it, go sign up for it. Like the hip hop class. That hip hop class. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I love (laughs) hip hop dancing. I think it's awesome to watch people. Like I would always scroll the Instagram videos of it. And I was like, I want to do that. So I was like, why can't I go do it and take a class? So I grew up a ballet dancer. I danced for like 13 years and everything in ballet is like so structured and rigid. And it was so awesome to just get out and do something that just like felt like your body needed to do. Um, So I will encourage moms to do something like that. Take the time away for one, because it's nice. You just need to like get a babysitter, you know, delegate with your husband on who's doing what have a family member come help out, but just go do something for yourself. It doesn't have to be fitness related. Like just go have fun. Um, and find that thing that you've been saying you want to do, but you haven't done is I think making yourself get uncomfortable is the best way to find yourself. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. You guys getting yourself uncomfortable is one of the best ways to find yourself. I'm like, write write that one down, y'all step out of your comfort zone because it gets less scary. And then you realize you can do so many things. Um, So what, what are some of the ways that you're leaning more into your feminine, like intentionally? Um, Well, I've been journaling more, communicating more. Um, I have a coach. We, my husband and I like kind of, we both work with the same therapist. Sometimes he goes more than I do right now, but I will talk to her sometimes and kind of lean into those. Truthfully, it's just like taking a walk and talking about how I feel more than anything. Um, Or just doing the things that I kind of like prolong or put off and allowing myself to just like not feel the guilt or feel like I have to be doing, I have to be like diving into these things all the time. Um, yoga, because I was a ballet dancer, like vinyasa style yoga, I love doing, it makes me feel really free. So I'll do things like that or hip hop classes. Sometimes I'll go to, (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, I, gosh, I, that reminds me, like I haven't done a hip hop class in at this point, a year and a half, right. Since everything happened, I freaking miss my dance classes. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your program. 
So I have um, the balance button program. With you. It, yeah. yeah, it's truthfully my favorite thing that I do. I love, like I said, I love like being in a group of people. Um, and it's so fun because it's a group of women who are at all different stages of motherhood. And some of them are not even mothers yet. Some of them want to be mothers or maybe it's a future thing, but it's truthfully a group of women who are focused on feeling like the best version of themselves. So it's so fun to like have a group of women that want to do that. And it's six months long. We spend in that time covering everything. Truthfully, it it is nutrition and more fitness focused. However, we talk a lot about like the things I kind of talked about that influence that your mindset, your lifestyle focuses, how we're balancing our stress, our relationships with ourselves, and our relationships Mm -hmm. with other people. Um, So we dive into all of that. I have guest expert coaches who come in to educate on the mindset focuses, our relationship portions. Um, I have integrated physicians who specialize in hormonal health for women come in to to discuss that and ways that we can prioritize that. Um, I lay out nutrition plans with the women. They get tailored exercise programming done throughout the program for them. And then we have biweekly coaching calls where it's just come in, let's check in, let's see how you're doing. And they get access to me um, throughout the program as well, like via Voxer or um, text message, voice memos, if they need anything throughout that time. Ultimately, the focus of the program is that you're leaving feeling like, and I know the word balance is kind of like this ever used thing, but a balanced body and feeling balanced in who you are as a person, balanced in your skin, balanced in your relationships, balanced in your role as a mother, a spouse, a friend, all of those different things so that you can feel like your best self. But I really want people to be able to take what they're doing and carry it through their life versus just feeling like they're in another fitness program that they're doing. And then when they're done, they don't really know why they did what they did. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And it's such a needed thing. Cause like, you know, I don't know yet, but like the transition you go through as a mom, like so much is changing. So having that, that kind of support to navigate all of that and, ensure that you are going to still feel as best as possible. It's so important. And there aren't that many resources out there supporting new moms in this way, you know? And so, so yeah, such an amazing program and you have so much experience, not just firsthand, but also like in working with so many women over the past several, several years, you know? Yeah. You have a kid and you know, your world is a 180 overnight, literally. And then you have this little human who's depending on you for survival, right? So like your world kind of shifts and then it's no longer really about like your needs in that first trimester or that fourth trimester. And then you're navigating that first year of life where there's all these transitions with your kids. I like we all jokingly say, like, once you get used to something with your kid, it's going to change. And it's so true. Cause like once they establish one routine, the routine changes again. And then that first year goes by it, you lose so much of yourself in that first year. And then you start to maybe feel like yourself again, but then again, it's more transitions. And then you realize that in your three to four years down the road, and you still haven't felt like yourself, you still aren't comfortable in your skin. The time has flown by. Um, And I have so many moms who are at an older stage who would tell me like, God, I wish that existed when I was that age or that stage of motherhood. Um, And the younger years with kids are, are challenging for sure. But a lot of times we use it as our excuse to not take care of ourselves and it doesn't Mm. have to be, and it shouldn't be. Yeah. Cause then that can snowball 
into like literally the rest of your life before you know it, your kids are 10 and you're like, wait a second. I was, what happened? You know? So well, yeah. So say like, you know, those younger years are so hard and they're really challenging on your marriage. They're challenging on you as a person. And then you step out of those years and you not only lost yourself, when you don't feel like yourself, you lose your relationship with your spouse. It impacts more than just how your clothes are fitting. It is impact literally every aspect of your life. So that's why the program's there so that we can change that and shift that narrative. And, and the truth is it starts with us, right? Like we can't change everybody else around us, but we can focus on ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So actually, and I was, I was going to like, kind of start closing this out, but I do have another question because you, you reminded me of it saying that like, yeah, those early years in the motherhood, parenthood, like they're challenging for your marriage and all that kind of stuff. And so for you, especially like dealing with the hormonal stuff going on, like that adds a whole nother layer to being new parents. Like how did that all affect your (laughs) marriage? (laughs) And like, how did you guys work through that together? My husband is a saint. Nobody tells (laughs) him that. Um, He's, he's very patient, um, and super understanding, but I think, um, I've heard said before, like motherhood is personal growth on steroids. Like it really is. And you learn so much of like this shit that you need to deal with in yourself. And as a, as a parent, you do too. I think we focus on the moms, which is amazing, but also we forget that the dads are going through stuff too. Their lives changed overnight. They're going through these big transitions as well. Um, so a lot of it was really us needing to kind of like be okay with the fact that like one recognizing this is hard right now. It's okay. This is going to be challenging. A lot of it was meaning to communicate to him. Like, this is how I'm feeling in my skin. This is where I'm at. And in the beginning stages too, luckily he was very supportive, but we really took the approach of we're a partnership in this. Mm. So, you know, when it came to the night wakings and all those things, he was awesome to be like, you know what, I'm going to come, I'm going to step up and we're both doing this together. It's not just you. Um, so he helped out with all those things and it helped me a ton because he knew where I was at and truthfully me communicating to him where I was at and how I was feeling helped a lot. But in the beginning, when I had postpartum anxiety, I didn't know that that's what I was experiencing. And postpartum anxiety can sometimes present itself as like a rage almost. Like I would get upset with him, but I could just like feel myself getting angry and I couldn't stop myself from getting angry. Um, Mm. And a lot of moms go through that and they don't talk about it because we feel ashamed to say like, oh, I was experiencing postpartum rage or things like that you hear the word rage and you think of like smashing stuff. I'm like, it's not what happens, but yeah, you feel this like anger in yourself that you can't get over. Um, so it really took a lot of like us working through and having those conversations. We've talked to therapists, we've gotten a couple things and not being ashamed to say like, Hey, this is a really challenging time for us. We're mm-hmm. going to grow through this. We'll be okay. But we both need to recognize that like we both have feelings through this and honor what each other needs through it too. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is like, I mean, it's like new level, new devil, but also like whether it's in business and like, you know, raising kids, even in your marriage, like anytime there's like new stuff thrown in, you, you get to learn how to adapt and handle it. Um, so yeah, I love that you guys were able, yeah, not easy, I'm sure, but able to 
handle that still as such a team and, you know, obviously come out stronger as a result. Yeah. I mean, well, we absolutely have days where we're not a team that happens. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like you today. See you tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, so how can everybody, all the women who are listening to this, the moms who are listening to this, or maybe men for their women, that sort of thing. Um, how, how can people work with you or be a part of your program? All of that. Instagram is probably the easiest way to reach me. It's Brooke Razzie and just message me on there. Let's chat. If you feel like you resonated with any of this, we can chat. I do the balanced body program. I also do private coaching with that. Um, so we'll figure out whichever route is best for you based on the things that you have going on and make sure you feel supported through it. Amazing. And we'll put links to all of that in the show notes. So in the description there and yeah. And Everybody, you guys connect with Brooke on Instagram. Um, and if you're, yeah, a mom, new mom looking for some support and getting things, reclaiming yourself and not even new moms, but just really like reclaiming your health and like yourself, absolutely connect with Brooke. Um, so something we, we do at the, on, on Amplify, as I'm sure, you know, um, obviously, cause this show is all about owning your truth, using your voice, like standing out as the most unapologetic and bold version of yourself. So what is, what is like one key piece of advice that you would give to our listeners, whether it's an action, um, a quote, a thought, a question to ask themselves, like one thing for people who are looking to really like live unapologetically bold and, and more aligned. One of the best quotes I've ever heard was from Glennon Doyle. Um, she said, there's no such thing as one way liberation. When you free yourself, you free everybody else around you, which I feel like is huge just in general, but as a mom too, when like you free yourself of like the things that you're feeling, the internal stuff you're struggling with, you not only change the narrative for your entire family, but you free everybody else in your family to do the same and unapologetically be themselves too. That is beautiful. Yes. I love that. It's not a one-way street, you guys. Amazing. So once again, everybody connect with Brooke on Instagram and thank you so much for join in and for chatting and sharing all of that wisdom with everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode and if you know of somebody else who is bold, successful, and unapologetically owning their unique magic while they make a big impact in the world, please send them my way. And it would also mean the world to me if you help me get this message out to as many listeners as possible. So if you liked what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you would please take 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to tag me so that I can say thank you. And until the next episode, keep showing up, keep using your voice, and keep being you. Because the world needs more of your magic.